Sam Vecini from The Athletic joins us to discuss who the Charlotte Hornets should take at number two. And he even gives us some combine risers for the Hornets to possibly select at number 27. That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods. That in- that includes YouTube, by the way. Thanks for making us your first listen. That's Doug Branson. You can catch him on everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can listen to me in the city of Charlotte on WFNZ from 12 to 3 every weekday. And that's Sam Vecini making his, I believe, first appearance in at least a while on Lockdown Hornets. So we appreciate Sam hopping on, a senior writer at The Athletic, um, also host of the Game Theory podcast. You can also check that out on YouTube. Find him on Twitter, at Sam Bassini. Sam, how uh, busy have you been the past week after the uh, lottery and even before that? Laughably. uh, (laughs) Basically... 8 a.m. until 11 p.m. every night at this point. That's the reality. Uh, Trying trying to stay above water, finishing up the NBA draft guide. And I think yesterday I was literally on the phone from 8 a.m. until I think 7 p.m. So it's just a ridiculous amount of uh, time at this point. No, it's a huge help. We appreciate the valuable time that you're spending with us. And so let's just get right to it. I mean, we know Wimby is going to go to San Antonio. I heard Kirk Goldsberry talking about this on the Zach Lowe pod. Like their draft models are thrown out the window. It's the easiest job in the world. Take Wimby number one. We're all good. And then we'll focus what to do a little bit later. The Hornets still have a lot of work to do, and the classic saying, it starts with them, right? So according to you, Sam Bassini, before more information comes out on Brandon Miller and just before some of the workouts happen, who do you think the Hornets should take number two as it stands right now? So should is different than where I I wonder if where they're at, kind of. So should, I think they should take Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson is my number two player in this draft. I think he is the clear number two player personally. I think he's explosively athletic. I think he's an incredible shot creator. His ability to combine body control with real explosiveness at his length, which is something in the vicinity of six foot two with six foot nine wingspan. It's pretty special at the end of the day. I really truly believe in him as an exceptionally high level creator in the NBA. And this comes from someone that, I do not like small players in the NBA. <laughs> like, I, I just do not like them, typically. Hmm. Uh, right now, I have, I think it is three guys under six foot, or no, it's six foot three or under in my entire top 50. I tend not to value these guys at a super high level because it is hard to keep them on the court in the playoffs unless they are just so exceptionally good as shot creators and i think scoot henderson is that guy at the end of the day i really truly do he is also the kind of player that is a culture changer kind of unto himself he is uh, just a real like force of like competitiveness and uh, everything that you look for in terms of the kind of player that you build around when trying to like rebuild your organization and rebuild your roster and trying to uh, create a circumstance where you can contend for an NBA championship. I I believe in this dude. 
I really truly think he's one of the best guards I've ever evaluated in the near decade I've been doing this. Yeah, I saw. Go ahead. uh, Well, I saw you had him number two um, on your latest mock draft. Does it feel weird after all of this time where it felt like uh, people were saying Scoot would be consensus one in a lot of drafts if it weren't for Victor Webinyama? Does it feel weird now that you sort of have the alt take (laughs) because it feels like everybody's now moving to Brandon Miller at number two? Like, what's what's going on there? Are well, let me ask this. Do you think you're driving the scoot wagon or are you just a passenger on the scoot wagon? (laughs) I certainly don't think I'm driving the scoot wagon at all. I think that Brandon Miller is a completely reasonable take at number two. If you think he is a genuine like shot creator and like shot hunter and like mismatch, like predator, like in terms of like being able to, you know, hunt out those, uh, uh, those incredible mismatches against small guards on the block or against uh, bigs on the perimeter when he strings them out in ball screens. If you think he is athletic enough to consistently get shots in those uh, capacities, I completely get it. I think having Brandon Miller at number two is an entirely reasonable take. I am probably like, 10% lower on his efficiency in those moments. I think he can do them. I just worry a little bit about the explosiveness uh, long-term in terms of how he's able to separate from those players and get efficient looks consistently. But I think he is an excellent, like genuinely elite prospect and anybody that has him at number two, I completely get it. And I think there's a pretty decent chance that the Hornets end up taking him. Like I am far from sold that they end right. up taking Scoot Henderson. I think this thing is going to be very wide open as they continue down their process. Well, and that's part of the problem too. Like so many people, even if, I mean, Scoot Henderson was the guy for so long, Brandon Miller had a great year at Alabama and that's why it's a real discussion, but even more so with Charlotte, because people are worried about the fit between Scoot and LaMelo it's something Doug and I are not worried about at all. We're, we're still, we've still been saying take scoot. Hell, Doug might be the driver of the scoot wagon. It was a setup and you passed Sam. It's actually <laughs> Doug that's driving the scoot wagon, but we're not worried about the fit. What about you, Sam? Are you worried about the fit at all? What are the pros and cons there? I am personally not worried about the fit at all. I, I think that they're actually very complimentary players. LaMelo ball is a, three and layups, three and dunks, not really dunks all the time, but three and layups, three and at the rim kind of player. He excels in transition. He excels getting to his step back and he does like to get into the paint and make high level passing reads. He's also, I don't mean this is a negative at all, but he gets by more on skill. He's more of a finesse player. He's incredibly gifted in terms of his creativity, right? Scoot Henderson is more of like a power athlete kind of player. He has a very real scoring mindset. He is trying to get downhill. He's trying to, again, much like LaMelo, get out in transition. I think they'd really excel in those areas. You look at what Scoot can bring as well. The one area of the court that I mentioned with LaMelo that I think he can sometimes not be as great at is the mid-range as a jump shooter, right? He does obviously have these wide variety of floaters and everything. But Scoot is kind of an end of shot clock creator who can get into that mid-range area and really create and really get those end of shot clock opportunities. As well, I think he's really going to put pressure on the basket as a finisher. He's a really creative finisher. I know the numbers this year are a little bit funky, but 
to be honest, I think that that's uh, more a product of who he was playing around in the G League, what that situation was like, the fact that, frankly, he didn't have anything to compete for in terms of like wins and losses. I'm a big time believer in Scoot Henderson. I'm a big time believer in terms of him being able uh, to complement LaMelo Ball. And I think that their games actually have a lot of synergy together in terms of the way that they would work uh, on the court. And you can never have enough ball handling at the end of the day. Like, I truly believe that. You can never have enough real shot creation on the court. Yeah, I have some concerns defensively, I do. But you know what? I had concerns about the Charlotte Hornets defense in the back half of the season. And from Valentine's Day onward, they had the sixth best defense in the NBA because Steve Clifford's awesome. So, like, I I just kind of believe in the fit. I think it would totally work and be fine. Again, if they evaluate Brandon Miller to be a better player than Scoot Henderson, totally get taking Brandon Miller. But I wouldn't rule out Scoot because of a fit-based concern. Uh, Real quickly, before we move on to more on Brandon Miller, uh, what do you say to people, because we've had a few of these in the YouTube comments, what do you say to people who look at Scoot's game and they go, hey, you take away all of those powerful highlight dunks and you, you actually have a flawed offensive player? So if you watch a lot of the tape this year, I understand that take to an extent. I think that he was very willing to settle in the mid range this season, a little bit more than what you would like to see. I also think that some of those people often will bring up the low free throw rate and not understand that you take one free throw uh, per opportunity essentially uh instead of two in the g league so scoot this year as a i think 18 year old for what was it you know 40 percent of the season 50 percent of the season Mm -hmm. i think he was like top 30 in terms of free throw rate this year in the g league so i'm not as worried about that as some people seem to be but I, i think there is a real case that he settled the thing that I would say is just that I think that he, I think the goal for Scoot this year was to get through this season unscathed in a real way. Mm-hmm. And he like dealt with some injuries throughout the course of the year. Like he got drilled in the face and ended up having to like wear a mask at times. Right. Oh, Cody Zeller special. And, oh yeah. yeah we know forget. that player. <laughs> <laughs> I forget exactly what the injury was, but yeah. Um, off the top of my head, uh, he ended up, I think hurting, uh, he had a lower leg injury at some point that ended up seeing him miss some time. He just had these like little nicks and things right throughout the course of the year, not like being injury prone, not being anything like that. He just got bumped and got hit the wrong way. Like players sometimes do. And I think that, you know, sometimes you end up in a circumstance where if the goal with the G league ignite is not necessarily to win basketball games and your personal goal is to essentially just get through the season unscathed. You probably end up settling a little bit more than what you would normally. Well, let me just say that was a very detailed uh, take. That was very nuanced um, intelligence. All the things we've come to know Sam Vecini for you treated the YouTube commenters very well. I'll just say this. Uh, those YouTube commenters are going to get run over by the scoot wagon, and I will be driving. <laughs> yeah, he will be. And then you're going to back it up, put it in reverse, beep, and then you're going to run beep, over him again beep. because that's what Doug Branson is doing, driving the scoot wagon. All right, we talked a lot about Scoot Henderson. We'll focus on Brandon Miller. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. That very intellectual Sam Bassini is going to help us break down Brandon Miller tape in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. And all you have to do is add your ride to the My Garage tab and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. More from Sam Vicini of The Athletic joining us next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. All right, Sam, let's transition to Brandon Miller this time. Someone that really came onto the scene crazy strong because it was really an excellent year at Alabama. And I know you've been very understanding of anybody that thinks Brandon is the better player outright in this class and maybe that think the Hornets should take Brandon Miller number two overall. So let's just get into his skill set when we talk about Brandon being a guy that could be a number one option star with this team. I know you're about 10% less and you feel like maybe that's 10% less coming from you, you know, seeing him as that kind of, of, of player in the NBA. What is the ceiling for you with Brandon? Like, is it still okay? All NBA type of guy, you know, what do you envision him most likely being at the NBA level? Look, there are probably some all-NBA outcomes if he Mm -hmm. ends up becoming this incredible, like, so much of the Brandon Miller conversation is based on what you think you can do with his lower half in terms of strength and in terms of adding physical, uh, just physical capability to hold his ground on drives, physical capability to be able to not get bumped uh, as he goes up to try and finish at the basket and, uh, you know, score at the rim against elite level size and rim protection. If you think he can do that and can continue to add that lower body strength to be able to hold his place when he gets bumped, look, there are definitely all NBA outcomes for Brandon Miller. I believe I I think he's more of an all-star level talent. Like it's the difference between, you know, somebody like Jason Tatum, Paul George versus somebody like Chris Middleton, Right. And Chris Middleton's like an unbelievable player and, you know, has made five all-star games or whatever, has a shot at the Hall of Fame at this point. Chris Middleton probably can't be a number one on like a really good team. Right. He's phenomenal. And, you know, it was a 50, 40, 88 guy or something at one point, averaging over 20 points per game. Incredible player. Unbelievable talent. Sure just a little bit limited in terms of what he can get going toward the basket with Brandon. I think that what we didn't see this year as well is actually something that people that saw him in high school that like myself really actually quite liked about him, which is the mid range game. Brandon actually does have like a pretty real mid range game. That was what he was most known for entering college It's just that when he got to Alabama, Alabama plays a scheme that is a little bit more up-tempo. They go for threes and layups, threes 
shots at the rim throughout the course of the game. That's their entire goal, right? That's their, that's every, that's what their offense is based around under Nate Oates and the differing assistant coaches that have come through there before getting head jobs. So when you look at it through that lens and you see some of the moments where Brandon Miller got a chance to be able to create those mid-range shots, you saw a guy that when you look at his three-point shot, you might see a lower release point and wonder, oh, how does this translate to the mid-range? How does this look? But if you actually look through his lower-level tape, you look at some of the mid-range opportunities he took at Alabama this year, you see that he actually is more than – like he's capable of like raising that release point and being able to shoot up over the top of high-level defenders. So I think that's a really important factor in the positive – uh, category of Brandon Miller in terms of being able to be a shot creator. Uh, I really like his pace and tempo in terms of being able to hunt out those mismatches and being able to either get a smaller guy switched onto him where he can shoot over the top or potentially take that guy down onto the block or being able to find that big and being able to kind of get that big strung out on an island. The thing is that when he gets big strung out on, onto an island, I think he's just a lot more comfortable getting to the step back right now I think he struggles a little bit being able to actually beat that guy off the bounce and getting to the rim at a capable level. I think he needs to work on his footwork and sequencing in terms of his drives. And this stuff will come if he gets stronger and can add lower body strength. So a bet on Brandon Miller to me is a bet on being able to add to his lower body in terms of strength while maintaining that body control and fluidity that allows him to be dynamic. Betting on that booty. Uh, like it's sort of it's more like you know betting on like you know you know hamstrings and like right. core like calves and things like that yeah but bet on this hammy gotcha. is important as well uh um, you had one question to go with and that was your answer i just well I just it wasn't really a question was a- it was it was more <laughs> an observation that, that the hornets would be betting on that booty but here's my question i do have a question it's less of a brandon miller question and more about something you said in that last answer which is you were looking at his high school tape and it it's something i'm curious about how the process of evaluating these players, both from your perspective as a, as a journalist and from you know front office perspectives, evaluating these players now that everybody's 18, 19 years old. But not only that, you've got Brandon Miller, who's uh, coming from you know D1 uh, and a big program in Alabama. You've got the Thompson Twins coming from Overtime Elite. What is that? And then you've got G League Ignite players now like – how difficult is it and how are front offices from what you're hearing, how are they adjusting to all of these different scenarios? Yeah. So look, this, this is the first year where we've had this many, really the second year, but the first like important year Mm -hmm. where we've had, for instance, OTE, right. Uh, Last year, you know, Don Barlow and John Montero were prospects. Scouts had to get down to Atlanta and check them out. Certainly. But like, with Amin and Asor Thompson being in this draft, it's really important to be able to contextualize and understand what those games look like. Uh, it's you know obviously really important to be able to contextualize the G League and understand you know what do these guys look like in an NBA open court. And then you go from watching the G League to watching college basketball, which not every program is Alabama in terms of offensive spacing and in terms of being able to consistently derive, you know, strong high level offense. So it's tricky for sure. You just really have to always remember what you're watching 
you always have to remember the context of what you're watching and sometimes how it can be difficult in order to figure all of that out and place it together. But as long as you always keep your mind on the context of what you're seeing and understanding the spacing, understanding the uh, everything that's happening around the players that you're evaluating, I think that you can do it and keep it proper. Or you can just watch OTE and just be like, this is a transition fast. Sorry, transition uh, show. Let's go. With. <laughs> and let's go. Uh, you have to uh, just kind of roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and look with Brandon Miller, you know, speaking of that, we also have the off the court situation, right? And look, I know it's tough to break down. I understand there's going to be different opinions on how much you want that to affect the draft status of one Brandon Miller. We do know that the Charlotte Hornets sent investigators to Tuscaloosa to find their own information because Brandon Miller is bringing his own attorney in these interviews where he's like, look, I can't talk about some of this. And I know you as an NBA franchise want to know, but we can't discuss it. And maybe that actually, you know, kind of affected the Jonathan Gavoni report of him not doing well in interviews, whatever. I'll ask you this, Sam, how much does that affect your opinion on whether you should draft a Brandon Miller with his role in the death of Jamia Harris, where he was the one that transported the gun via driving the car to his ex-teammate Darius Miles. Like, I know all of this is tricky. At the same time, when you're trying to evaluate taking someone that high, how much does that affect you? So let me take this two ways. Uh, in terms of how it affects teams, mm -hmm. I have not heard a ton in terms of teams being all that worried, no, not worried about it. I have not heard a team tell me that it is like disqualifying in any way. Now, obviously Brandon will go through the interview process and teams will need to gather answers on this. And based off of the fact that he obviously went into interviews and just said that like, there are some things here I can't talk about. It is going to result in exactly what the Hornets, you know, are reportedly doing where they are sending people down to Tuscaloosa to try and gather as much information about the situation as humanly possible. I think everything will be played out there and we will figure out what that looks like. In terms of me, if I was the Charlotte Hornets, look, I, I would care about this. Like, I think that you have a situation with Miles Bridges where it seems like there is a fairly real chance Miles Bridges will be on this organization's roster next season. You have a situation with Brandon Miller, who all of the intel on Brandon Miller up until that moment was, was positive. Like, everybody that I'd talked to had told me Brandon Miller – you know, good kid, you know, comes from a really good family, everything like that. That was a really poor decision in mm. terms of his involvement in this shooting. So it, it's going to be really tricky, I think, for teams to figure this out. But I think it's especially tricky for Charlotte, where another one of its marquee players is coming off of Frank, one of its marquee free agents. I guess we shouldn't call Miles Bridges a Charlotte Hornets player sure. at this point. Is coming off of a you know felony. He pled no contest to a felony domestic, uh, uh, domestic family violence, violence charge. charge. Yeah. Domestic violence remember. charge, right? 
Yeah, I was trying to remember exactly what the terminology was, but it's it's hard. It's really, really hard. And if I was the Hornets, I would think very strongly about this. But again, I I will note that I, I am very hesitant to say that this should in any way be disqualifying for Brandon Miller, because, again, the intel on Brandon Miller was quite positive and he was not charged with a crime here. And there is certainly some sort of moral uh, important discussion here to be had in terms of his uh, involvement in the shooting. But I I still think that the teams involved at the top will have more information certainly than I do. And the, you know, police down in Tuscaloosa certainly have more information than I do. And I would really, really like to probably let the process continue to play out a little bit more and understand uh, where exactly all of this sits before really giving a true opinion on Brandon Miller as a human being. Uh, But for the Hornets, it absolutely should matter just because they do need to go down this road, do need to understand all of these things because of where their organization sits uh, following the Miles Bridges the unfortunate, right. uh, horrible, tragic thing that happened. Right. Well, and, yeah. And it's hard as hell, man. Like I get it. Right. Especially with Brandon, because he's not criminally charged, but also he did play a role in somebody's murder. And it's really hard to try to figure out what all that means, especially when you're trying to make the best decision for your franchise. You do have all this positive Intel. It's really hard to evaluate. And as you mentioned, the Hornets are in a little bit of a different situation. Doug, you had some thoughts to finish out the second segment real quick. Well, I mean, John Moran hasn't been criminally charged with anything. I've said this before. Like, I think this is, it's probably has something to do with, they, they want to do their due diligence because they're, they're probably bringing miles back. But also you've got this John Moran situation sitting out there where Memphis, you know, invested a, a top pick in, in Ja. And I don't know if any investigation could have determined that Ja was going to go down this particular path. Uh, but I think teams are going to be extra attentive to any of these kind of situations where guys are around other guys and stuff happens because that feels like where we are with John Morant right now. Right. All right. So let's move on to the third segment. We have another pick to discuss coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We got number 27, too. Remember, this was a draft pick acquired by Mitch Kupchak last year involving a trade with Jalen Duran. Eventually, this thing goes to the Hornets after belonging to Denver for a while. So who are some guys we could target at number 27? Sam Bassini joins us one final segment next on Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen. We are back with Sam Bassini to talk about, well, I mean, one more pick, but the Hornets have five picks. They've got some second rounders as well. We just got through the combine process. So, Sam, uh, what are some names that you like out of the combine? Who did themselves a favor? Who might work themselves into that sort of 30 to 35 range where the Hornets have a couple of picks or maybe even to that 27 spot that they still hold as well? Yeah, you know, I'm wearing a Marquette hoodie right now. I would say uh, Omax Prosper is a guy that really helped himself the combine, to be sure. He also had a pro day yesterday that I was told went really, really well. He shot the ball really well in front of a number of NBA executives. So I would say Omax is definitely in the mix in terms of guys at the combine that really helped themselves rise up. You know, I I don't know that guys necessarily like Ben Shepard, Brandon Pajemski, guys like that are necessarily going to be in the mix for the Hornets. 
but uh, I do think that they, you know, on some level had very positive feedback from NBA executives that I talked to. Uh, those guys really, you know, have very high feel for the game, have shooting, have skill level. Those are the kind of things that NBA teams really, truly look for across the board uh, at this in this day and age where skill set and feel for the game really means an exceptional amount with the offensive freedom of movement uh, that the league has implemented. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that pick at 20, what is it? It's 28, 29, 27, uh, 27. 27. Yeah. It, it, it's, there are so many names in that 25 to 45 range right now, guys, like you, you really are going to have to spread yourselves pretty wide in terms of the number of, players that you're considering like i think there's a case for them to consider everyone from like jaime jaquez i think that like they'll have to take a look at even guys like gg jackson and you know players that could potentially fall into that 27 range like you're really gonna have to spread yourself pretty wide and i think that you should even you know look at guys they're a little bit lower down the board like for instance like i have amari bailey at like in the 40s right now Mari Bailey had a really strong combine performance and looks more like the kind of, you know, combo guard that we saw in high school as opposed to, you know, the off guard that was not quite as uh, involved in the UCLA offense when he was in college. So mm. it's tricky. I think you definitely have to look at a number of different options here that you could uh, end up with at 27. Doug, you're smiling. Why are you smiling? There's something <laughs> churning up there in that brain of yours. I know you too well. Why are you well, smiling? I just love hearing Sam Vecini drop all of these names on the podcast uh, because, you know, he knows the names. He knows how to pronounce the names. So this yeah. is really informative, I think, for us as we dig into our process uh, to make sure oh, that we don't. Max, pro got you know, it. We, yeah, yep. Exactly. We don't want to make fools of ourselves on here um, unless we're doing it on purpose. So uh, we appreciate Sam for that. Uh, Sam, can you tell our audience something about the draft process, you know, combine individual workouts, pro days, how the front offices deal with all this? Cause you, you talk to these people and, and you're inside the game. So like, what about this? Do, do people not quite have a, a grasp on, like they don't quite understand how the process works on these kinds of things. I still am like pretty staggered every year at the combine when people act like there are a significant number of players who like really truly help themselves in the public facing section of the combine mm. by far the two pieces of the combine that NBA teams will tell you are most important are the interviews that they do with these prospects and the medical testing and reports that the teams eventually get back. These are the things that the NBA fought for in the new CBA in terms of getting all of the players to come to the combine. These are the things that NBA executives truly like want to know at the end of the day. So, while it's nice to see the five on five and while you can certainly help yourself in the five on five, Jalen Williams you know, of the Oklahoma city thunder from Santa Clara last year, certainly helped himself quite a bit at the combine. There are often very few players who truly move the needle. And that also goes for pro days. 
pro days are nice. They are a way for executives to get an eye on what players have improved upon from the end of the season until now, as they've undertaken all of this training. At the end of the day, the things that pro days do, in my view, they potentially can open up a prospect to maybe a wider drafting pool. Like if there is a team that didn't really like a prospect during the season, and then they see a pro day and they're like, oh, like this guy fixed his jumper. This guy did this, did that. It might make that team give that player an extra look more than anything else, as opposed to significantly bumping a player like way up the board or anything in terms of stock. And I think that it's a very subtle difference, but I think it's one that people still don't really comprehend. And it's probably like partially on me for covering the draft poorly in some regard, or like all the media for covering the draft poorly uh, in some respect. We just admitted not to knowing like... how to pronounce Omax Prosper. So I think you're okay, right? Like, I think, I think yeah, you're good on that. Like, pro- pro- in some respect, it's probably on, you know, me and other draft media and stuff for not, for always doing winners and losers of the combine. Who played great? Who played well? The, they're great data points. They matter more than like a single game during the basketball season, right? Like getting to see a guy in NBA spacing against NBA length and everything does matter. But, you know, it's not more than, you know, a couple or, you know, three or four games worth of a sample, right? Like it's a it's a small piece of the puzzle. Last question for me, Sam, before we get you out of here, you look at the young core for the Charlotte Hornets squad. They move up, not quite to get Wimby, but still damn valuable pick at number two overall. Mark Williams really comes on strong. It takes him a little while to enter the rotation, but we were very pleased with what we saw from him post-Christmas when he made that debut in the rotation. We like Bryce McGowan's here. Like, we thought he did some nice stuff as a second-round pick. Steve Clifford called him a pleasant surprise, which is impressive for Steve to admit that about a rookie, right, with the stereotype that he never plays the young guys. It, it, it feels, look, we're Hornets fans. We've been burned by hope before. It feels like there's some hope. I mean, how good do you feel about the situation the Hornets are in right now with LaMelo, the second overall pick, Mark, everything within it, right? Like, how how hopeful should we feel? Yeah, look, I had a lot of regret on Mark Williams last year. I really liked him. I think Mark's going to be a really good low usage, you know, offensive player that can hopefully anchor a defense and drop coverage and be really valuable. Uh, you know, LaMelo is certainly an all-star level player. I would, I, I will be really interested to see what he looks like this year and see if he can take that next step into being like a number one on like a genuine contender. I think that's the question about LaMelo right now. Like, is he just your all-star level point guard or can he be that actual number one on a contender top 10 player in the league make that leap? I think that's ultimately what we don't know about LaMelo. We know he's phenomenal and a great player and certainly an all-star caliber player. The rest of it, I mean, I I think this team genuinely just needs more high-end, high-upside talent. Like, their decision with P.J. Washington this summer is going to be really interesting, I think, trying to determine, do they bring him back? Do they make a decision to uh, really pay him? 
you know, they're going to have to pay LaMelo Ball, certainly, uh, and, and continue down that road. They have the Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward deals that they have to figure out at the very least. Uh, do they move those guys? Do they keep them? Everything like that. McGowan's is interesting, certainly. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of talent, still just filling out the frame and how he fills out the frame moving forward, I think is going to be a really, really important piece of what he becomes long term. I'm not really like a Kai Jones guy. I'm not really like a JT Thor guy. You know, obviously it seems like at least they missed on James Booknight flashes in the G league, notwithstanding like they just kind of need more of these guys. Like the other rebuilding teams across the league feel like they have more of these guys right now than the Hornets. And that will certainly change with the number three overall pick. They will be able to pair LaMelo with someone that certainly had or number two overall pick. We'll certainly be able to pair LaMelo with somebody that has this immense amount of upside that is somewhat similar to his, and that will change their trajectory moving forward. But I think that they are still in talent accumulation more mode more than anything, which is probably why I was a little bit worried about some of the Mitch Kupchuk comments after the <laughs> yeah, lottery. Not being picky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wait, but I think they should be a little bit more in talent accumulation mode than they should be in like, Oh, we have our guys now. We're trying to fit around the guys. I, I don't know if they have all of the guys that they need yet. No, right. Sam, I said uh, the rules should be uh, you can't, you have to go best player available if, if your team hasn't won a playoff series in the last three presidential administrations, Fair. right? Like at that point, you always have to go BPA. Uh, Sam, man, we've had a great time here. Thanks so much. Um, I, I'll say this. I'm driving the scoot wagon, uh, but sh you know, if you want to test drive the scoot wagon, I'm 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 good to hand over the keys. You know, we're betting on that scooty here, uh, and we appreciate all of you. Scooty your booty, okay, yeah, we're ready for it. Is the scoot wagon purchased with eBay Motors? Uh, is that a uh, is that they a got, thing here? Uh, exactly. it's a guaranteed fit, Sam. It, you you are guaranteed the right fit with over 1,200 parts available. You're welcome. Okay, like <laughs> that's there's so much, and so I'll you tell you, we're, we're uh, the 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 rear bumper for Scoot. <laughs> that's going to take the Hornets very far. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, 122 million. Goodness gracious, 1,200 parts. It's actually 122 million. So there's plenty of parts from eBay Motors. That's Sam Bassini. Draft work is second to none. Follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Bassini, senior writer at the Athletic. Also. Uh, host of the Hoop Theory podcast, or the Game Theory, excuse me, host of the Game Theory podcast on YouTube. So make sure you go check it out. Sam, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. I have to ask again as we transition to the outro. What's going on, Doug? What's going on up there? <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm glad Sam had a good time. You know, that's what we're all about on this show, bringing guys on and having a good time. And I felt like he had a good time. Well, he's a Scoot fan. That's why we're really happy, you know, because because he is advocating for Scoot and we want Scoot. And so it looks like that is going to be the pick. Well, we've been focusing on or, Brandon or Miller not, for a couple of episodes now. We've been we've we I think we've given uh, fair treatment to Brandon Miller. And mm -hmm. I think we and, and honestly, I mean, I feel like so did Sam. Sam seemed to say, yeah. look, you know, if, if Brandon's the big. But I would point out to folks that while he was while he was comfortable with the Hornets taking Brandon Miller number two, he also said that you know Brandon Miller looks like an All Star player, and I think when you have the number two pick and you have a player in Scoot who I feel like is a potential All NBA player, and you have a potential All Star in Brandon Miller, I think you take the guy who has the All NBA season. Yeah, no. 
Uh, I think we agree 100%. I think we have been in agreement for this entire time. All right. Scoot. That's 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 Doug Branson. Find his work, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And check me out on WFNZ 12 to 3. Really appreciate the time from Sam Bassini as well as you. Make sure your second listen is Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 